This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. live welcome back ladies and gentlemen i am your host blake Rafino. this is are you serious sports we hope that you are making it a good one we know that we are as well let's go every single time my man dylan landry is always up first saying what's happening and go tigers <laughs> and go tigers mr sam bacon it's been a while where you been sir for everyone joining us, we greatly appreciate it. Do us a favor on Facebook Live. Hit the like and hit the share and share into some groups. Also, if you're on Periscope, Twitter, we welcome you as well. Hit the like and retweet. And everyone joining us on YouTube, we appreciate it as well. And all of you, great. And I mean great. Guys, we got li- people listening, us, uh, listening to us on our podcast from Fort Worth to Atlanta to Shreveport. We're getting all over the place, y'all. And that's all because of our good partners at Believe. But guys, we do have a great show in store for you tonight. The LSU quarterback race is heating up, y'all. It's heating up. I came out with a hot take yesterday saying that Max John- it's Max Johnson's job uh, for the Tigers and he would get the start. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. Here comes TJ Finley. Ed Orgeron, <clears throat> excuse me. Ed Orgeron talked about it today. We're going to break that down and everything he had to say about the quarterback race at LSU. Wes Mitchell from Gamecock Central is going to be joining the show at 7.15. So in about seven minutes, we'll be giving him a call live on the show. And I want to break down the Gamecocks. I want to break down the Gamecocks and see everything that they have going on and what he expects for LSU versus South Carolina this week. That's going to be fun. 
Hot take is coming, y'all. A hot take is coming. Yes, yes, yes. A hot take is coming. I think LSU is about to go on a streak. I think the LSU is about to put some wins together and they're going to get this ball rolling. And we will, yes, as always, we take your calls. I got to change the number, y'all. We'll get that changed. That's not the right number. And we will go around the SEC as well. Stanley Polky, let's go, he says. What's happening? Stephen Miller says, let's go. Kyle Marsh on Facebook Live says, what's up? Blake, my man, what's good, brother? Not too much. Stephen Miller says, Cedric Ross, strongly doubt it. Uh, what did he say? I didn't see. Uh, so, Miles is not going to be ready. Yeah, not looking good. Miles Brennan's not looking good. But, guys, before we get started, as always, and we got some breaking news. My good friend, Mr. Caleb Carpenter over at Robinson Brothers Ford. Guys, he is our new sponsor at AYS. Look at those plaques, y'all. Look at those plaques. I'm not joking when I say this. The number one Ford salesman in all of Louisiana. Uh-oh, there goes my camera. We'll try to get that back fixed. But there goes Mr. Uh, uh, Caleb. <laughs> Caleb Clark, the number one. The number one car salesman in all of Louisiana. So tell him Blake Rafino sent you, and we are so glad to have him on. And also our good friends over at GM Vorndo and Sons. GM Vorndo and Sons has faithfully been serving your Denim Springs and Baton Rouge area for over 62 years. With their highly trained technicians, there's absolutely nothing that they can't do. Guys, you know them. I had two messages today saying that, Blake, I went over to GM, and they took care of all of my automotive needs. I definitely appreciate them being a sponsor of AYS. Give them a call today at 225-664-9992. That's 225-664-9992. And tell them Blake Rafino over at AYS sent you. Okay. So we got about five minutes. We started a little bit late. And we're going to have Wes Mitchell from Gangcock Central who's going to be coming on. Hot take, y'all. It's a hot take kind of day. A hot take kind of day, y'all. But the quarterback race for LSU is heating up. Ed Orgeron went on off the bench today and said one thing that I think just I don't know how much has been talked about today from the other local media, but something that it needs to be talked about. TJ Finley, apparently per Ed Orgeron, in practice has least the least amount of drop balls from wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs than any other quarterback at LSU right now. What that tells me is, is two things. Because I've seen T.J. Finley play a lot, y'all. And I mean a lot, being right here in Ponchatoula. Number one, it means that he's putting a lot of touch on the ball. Now, he's got a huge arm. An absolutely huge arm. There's no mistaking that. But that means to tell me that he's kind of developed a little bit since he's been at LSU. I know that I said yesterday that I thought that Max Johnson was going to get the start. But if you listen to Ed Orsron and you listen to everything that he's saying, hot cakes, I love pancakes, says Brandy. But if you listen to Ed, it seems every time he talked about the quarterbacks today, he started off with number one, TJ Finley. Now, that's not to say that Max Johnson's not going to get the start and he's not capable of starting or, you know, is not capable of doing really big things. And Ed, Ed talked about that today, saying that both of these quarterbacks 
are possibly going to be in the NFL and more than likely will be in the NFL. But as our good friend, uh, uh, Mr. Ross right here just says, Finley's got a cannon and he does. But not only does he have a cannon, not only does he have an absolute cannon, he's starting to put touch on the ball. Alex says, next man up, in which I agree with that wholeheartedly. Everyone on our podcast, you should know by now, but if you don't, we read the live comments off the air and show them on screen. But, oh, look at him. Look at him, y'all. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Stephen Miller. Ed won't tell you anything, but in the same breath, he will tell you everything. Just have to pay attention and read between the lines. And that's what I'm saying. Every time Ed is asked a question, the first quarterback he talks about is TJ Finley, followed by Max. Now, I don't know if he's kind of like in his mind going down a depth chart saying TJ Finley and then Max. We don't know that and won't know that until right now. But everything that I'm hearing, and I mean absolutely everything that I'm hearing is just that it's closer than anyone thought that it would be at this point. You have people telling me and telling the show that, hey, don't be surprised if TJ starts. I think it'd be very difficult for this offense to take a step back and go more into the running game because this coaching coaching staff, not crap, but this coaching staff has shown you that they feel like that they don't have, that especially the offensive line, doesn't have the ability to run the football. You got John Emery not getting... But what, maybe eight touches last week on 10 targets in the passing game or 10 attempts? That should tell you something in the faith that this coaching staff has. So if they want to emulate, if they want to show exactly what they believe and how they think this game is going to go and what they want to do on offense, I would say TJ might be the better one. Uh, No better way to put it. It's the truth. I mean... I don't, look, I'm not a betting man, and I've tried to get this source, but it's very close to a vest right now. What we do know is that Ed believes that, I mean, look, he's telling you without telling you, but Miles Brennan's not playing. Unless he, unless he's like your boy Banks off of Mighty Ducks 2, where he comes back one day and his wrist's not broken. This isn't the movies, though. This isn't the Mighty Ducks. Gordon Bombay's not walking through that door. <laughs> anyway, Travis Shaw on Facebook Live says that was without Ed Ingram too. And that's a good point. Ed Ingram talked today by, as well, saying that he, he was a little nicked up. He maybe could have gone last week and, and would have gone last week, but it's glad to have him back as well. Uh, Cedric says that Emory should be number one. I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay, we're going to get over to Mr. Wes Mitchell from Gamecock Central. Let's talk about the game coming up this week in Tiger Stadium against the South Carolina Gamecocks. I got a lot of questions I want to ask Wes uh, and and what he sees and what he... Look, I've told you this for two weeks. South Carolina is very scrappy. Can they come to Baton Rouge and get an upset? I don't believe so, but we're going to ask Wes right now. So let's go ahead and give him a call and then get to some of these comments. Let's see. Brandy says, if Bombay walks through that door, I'll fall out my chair. <laughs> I would too. Believe me, I would too. Hello? Uh, Mr. Wes Mitchell. Yep, that's me. Hey, Wes, it's Blake Rafino from RU Series Sports. How are we doing tonight, man? I'm good, man. How are you? 
Oh, I can't complain, man. We're just breaking down some LSU and South Carolina. And, you know, my boy Lawton, who covers Clemson, I said, Lawton, who's the best guy that covers uh, South Carolina? And he said, you got to give my good friend Wes Mitchell a call. So, Wes, I greatly appreciate you joining the show today uh, with AYS and breaking this game down. Uh, let's just start off here, my friend. South Carolina has played really great over the last couple of weeks, and they're a really scrappy team. A lot of questions went into in the beginning of the season with Will Muschamp about will the players rally around him. What's the vibe around South Carolina? It seems that these players are really playing hard for their head coach. Yeah, man, I think um, really the last two weeks, um, you know, these are wins that that I think you you start at the top from the coaching staff down to the players. Um, you know, and the extended fan base, man, that, that's two wins that I, I think everybody in Columbia really needed because, you know, they started the year 0-2. If you go back to last year, uh, finished the season 1-5. and The only win was over Vanderbilt, um, which doesn't really get anybody excited around here. So this is a program that I, I think just needed uh, needed something good to happen, you know, needed some positivity. Um, the expectations this year were not extremely high, but uh, they come in, they, they have two, I, I would say, really competitive games against Tennessee and Florida, but but dropped them both and then went to Vanderbilt and just sort of steamrolled them. And I, I think they actually were able to build a little bit of momentum off of that game. Everybody got to play. You know, they got all the backups in. It was sort of a good team morale-building type win. And then, you know, they play Auburn. They they started out down 9 nothing. Uh, then they were down 16-7. So just really had to, to sort of rally and, and battle through it and, and found a way to win it at home here. And now they're two and two. And I, I think they're just in a good place mentally, man. And that's probably not what you would have said a couple of weeks ago. And they're kind of like a, a blue collar team. They're, they're not really that flashy. They're not really in a position to, you know, make a bunch of, uh, you know, elite type plays they, they sort of lack playmakers, I, I think in, in some ways, but this team just sort of keeps battling and gets themselves in close games. And then they try to find a way to win them in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and it's really surprising, just uh, Wes, how great this team has rallied around Will Muschamp, and something that I honestly didn't really expect. But I, I'm gl- I'm really glad to see Wes Mitchell from Gamecock Central is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Wes Mitchell GC. Wes, one thing that I've seen with South Carolina over the last couple of weeks. And something that all these Louisianians <laughs> are really paying attention to is J.C. Horn because his father used to play for the Saints. Last week, he really <laughs> played well. What have you seen in his emergence and why he's really – I mean, teams are targeting him a little bit, but what have you seen that's made him so much better from seasons past? Yeah, I- I'll tell you, man, this is a kid that um, came to South Carolina – and started, I would say, from about the second he stepped on campus, he, he became a starter. And I, I think it's been really fun to see J.C. start to get some of that national love, uh, some conference-wide love, and, and sort of for doing the things. I think those of us who watched him the last two and a half years, we, we've all known that J.C. is a great player. Now, for whatever reason um, – Teams haven't thrown at him, and the, the few times they have, he's had a couple of opportunities in the past to make those sort of game-changing, you know, highlight real interceptions, and just hasn't been able to haul them in. So it, it kind of became 
a thing around here. You know, like how when is J.C. Horn going to get his first career interception? And, and just uh, you know how the way sports work sometimes, man, it's it's crazy. He gets two of them after not having a single pick his entire first two years. He gets two in one game and actually calls the third. Uh, Carolina had three interceptions that game. J.C. Horn tipped the ball to one of his teammates on the other. And it, it was weird, man. Auburn was really just very stubborn. They, they kept trying to force the ball to Seth Williams. And South Carolina took an approach of they, they had J.C. basically shadow Seth Williams wherever he lined up. J.C. was a, across from him. They played a lot of man coverage. And, and this is really the first time in two and a half years that I've seen a team actually say, we're going to go test number one. And this is the kid, I, I mean, y'all saw, obviously, Joe Horn through the years. I mean, he's J.C. has that professional NFL-type mindset as well. I think he took it personal that somebody was actually coming in and, and trying to test his side of the field because it never happens. And obviously, <laughs> right. he won that battle. And it's two, it's two NFL guys. I mean, Seth Williams is a really good player. He's going to be a high draft pick as well. But I think J.C. just relished that opportunity, man, to actually be able to sort of go out there and, and get his hands on some, some passes because teams just haven't been doing that in the past. Yeah, it, it, it kind of felt like he took it personally. You know, like Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, the famous line is, and I took that crap personally. <laughs> you know, like I felt that that was the kind of attitude he was playing with last week, and he played outside of his mind. Staying on the defense, Wes, for just a quick second, Ernest Jones is a guy that I've constantly kept my eyes on. Last season had 97 tackles, and now in four games is around 40 tackles again. He's always around the ball. In your opinion, is he the leader of this defense? And what makes him so good? And what should LSU fans watch out for from him in in leading that defense? Oh, there's no question he's the leader. He's, um, you know, I think JC is sort of the, the alpha on, on the defense, but it, it's Ernest Jones who is sort of the voice of this defense. And he's the one, both from a standpoint of, of actually – you know, literally calling the plays and, and relaying them to the other guys on the front. But just from, from a leadership standpoint, pushing his teammates, uh, you know, his freshman year, he didn't play a whole lot, but from his sophomore year and now um, this year, his junior year, he really sort of took over as the, the voice of that defense. And I, I think the thing about Ernest, like you said, man, you're spot on, but you saw just watching him, you know, I guess against Auburn, that's sort of the last year and a half how it's been. He always finds a way to be around the football. Um, he's not necessarily the fastest guy if you just timed him, but he's fast enough. He has great instincts, really good size, and is just sort of your prototypical SEC middle linebacker in that he does all the little things right, and uh, he cleans up a lot of mistakes sometimes for his teammates. You know, he's just around the football. And I would say Ernest is probably the most underrated guy on that defense, and it's kind of similar to, to J.C. before. People around here get to watch Ernest every single week and sort of get to experience it and appreciate how, how good of a middle linebacker he is, whereas he's not really that flashy guy that's going to pop up in, in all the all-SEC lists necessarily. But I think uh, if LSU fans, I know they appreciate good defense, and I know they appreciate hard-nosed type players. Um, Ernest is definitely that. This is one of those dudes you can really get behind. 
West, they definitely, they definitely want good linebackers and defense now because of the first three weeks, man. It's been horrendous. Uh, West Mitchell from Gamecock Central is our guest. Uh, switching over to the other side of the ball, South Carolina is really going to pro style and really, really going to want to hit you in the mouth. Now, Kevin Harris feels like the bell cow that they're wanting to get the ball to and run the ball downhill. What have you seen from the beginning of the year until now that has made this so much more successful for this offense moving forward and and specifically this running game? Why is is he, number one, is he the vocal point of that offense and who they have to get the ball to outside of Shy and other guys like that? And number two, if LSU, which I don't know if they will, is able to stop the run, does South Carolina have the weapons on the outside to compete uh, if they need to push the ball down the field? Yeah, I think that's the, the million-dollar question. Um, that, that's that been the single biggest concern for South Carolina on offense has been the lack of passing game weapons other than Shy Smith. Um, now, uh, Shy, you know, if you're LSU fans uh, watching and listening, Shy, number 13, he's, he's the most explosive player on South Carolina's offense. He's the guy in the passing game they're going to have to find ways to get the football to. He's probably their best overall playmaker on that side of the ball. Otherwise, they, they really have not had a guy step up at, at wide receiver. Uh, you know, I, I know LSU has had their, their defensive struggles. It's going to sort of be a battle of, of which team can kind of have a weakness um, step up. I, you know, I go back to the Florida game. South Carolina had some opportunities down the field to other wide receivers where they're able to get open. Um, but but then and the ball is there, but but too many drop passes have really plagued this offense. So I think with with Kevin Harris, he's become sort of the the focal point of this offense because that's the identity they've kind of had to go to. And it, it's not a flashy offense. It's not what fans in 2020 you know really envisioned for a great offense. Uh, you know, to be quite honest. But I think Mike Bobo, the offense coordinator, has done a fantastic job of just saying. This is what we are. We're going to sort of build the offense around what we have. And what they have in Kevin Harris is is a bowling ball, basically. He's low to the ground. He's a he's just like a big old ball of muscle. And what you're going to see on Saturday, South Carolina will run the football early on. And first, from what I've seen so far, the blueprint is, you know, first quarter, they really won't have a heck of a lot of success running the football a lot of times, and they sort of just keep pounding away, keep pounding away, and as the game goes on, it's really an old-school approach. As the game goes on, it sort of breaks open a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more as they wear a defense down. They'll mix the Sean Fenwick in. That's number 14. He's a little bit more agile, um, maybe a little bit more elusive than Kevin Harris, so they'll they'll mix him in when teams start to get worn down. And then, of course, um, what they've really had to do, y'all, is just throw the ball to the tight ends. They throw the ball to the running backs out of the backfield quite a bit, and they've kind of had to take that approach um, just because the, the other receivers have not, you know, just showed that they can consistently get open and catch the football. It's like one week they'll struggle to get open. Another week they'll be open but struggle to, you know, hold on the ball. So it's just been one thing after another some of those other receivers so they've just sort of taken what they have and uh tried to make the the most out of it i think wes one question that we're getting in the comments and just an overall general question that i think that mainly people outside of south carolina want to know is that yes will most has done good 
uh, over the last couple weeks, and even the loss to Florida, they play really, really tough. Everyone has put uh, Will Muschamp in this, hey, you better have a good season and you're on the hot seat and we you might get canned at the end of the season. What's the truth there? Is is he really on the hot seat? And if he is, what does he need to do to get himself off of it? Yeah, I, I personally don't think the seat is as hot if you look at the actual administration around here. Um, <clears throat> I don't think this, the seat is as hot as maybe the perception is outside. And I think that is probably uh, that idea is increased by by everything with COVID, you know, and, and all the financial losses that athletic departments are going to face this year. Right now, I don't see South Carolina being in a hurry to go make a change, have to you know buy out a bunch of coaches, including Will Muschamp and all the assistants, and and do all these different things in the middle of the pandemic. And I think you have a guy in Ray Tanner, the athletic director, obviously former baseball coach here at South Carolina. He is a believer in Will Muschamp, and he's done everything he can to sort of say it is a, a long-term approach at South Carolina. Build the program, build a foundation, and now don't get me wrong, the fan base, when you, know, when you start 0-2, SEC fan base is, is not happy at all. So I think that's why it was key for this team and this program to, to have some you know, have some things go their way and have something positive happen the last couple of weeks. I think as long as long as the bottom doesn't fall out here uh, here in Columbia as this year goes on, then uh, then Will Muschamp in South Carolina is going to be fine. And they have, uh, uh, depending on what rankings you look at, the number number two, number one uh, quarterback in the country committed already for 2022, and uh, they're really looking to sort of build that class around him and, and have another influx of of talent here. So. Uh, as I said, man, Ray Tanner has sort of taken the more cool, calm, long-term approach, which, hey, let's be honest, fans don't always like that, but that's the sort <laughs> right. of approach they're taking. <laughs> Wes, we got a question inside of Facebook Live uh, from Devin Staub. Devin asks, hashtag ask Wes, Wes, who do you believe wins the uh, fall classic? Who is going to win the World Series as game one kicks off tonight? Oh man, I I mean I don't I mean did this guy do his research? Does he know that I'm a huge Braves fan? Like, well, what happened is stabbing, is that stabbing me in the heart <laughs> with this question. Well, what um, happens is is that we have really good producers, okay, and we have a calling card, and it says on the phone Wes Mitchell, and we have a picture of you up there with all your info, and yes, it is a picture <laughs> of you wearing the Atlanta Braves shirt. So I think he just kind of well, put two and two together. Well, yeah, well actually, see. Funny thing is that's that's actually Travis Darno in that picture, but I look so much like Travis Darno. People have been calling me Travis Darno all <laughs> so, oh, yes, so indeed. I so I I switched out the pictures and put Darno in there. But, but yeah, I mean, I think the Dodgers. I'll answer his daggum question. I think <laughs> the Dodgers are the best team, but. I really hope the Rays win, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, that makes his next comment very uh, very much understandable. He says, Wes Armood. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Well, we're going to have to get on him on there. But, Wes, regardless, you've been absolutely amazing, man. Uh, we have one more for you. It says, hashtag ask Wes, how does SC leave Death Valley with a W? And we'll get you out of here. But how? what does South Carolina need to do? to get a W this Saturday in Baton Rouge? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll throw some cliches at you, some old, you know, some football cliches. But it, ha- I mean, this has been the blueprint for South Carolina. Um, it's been stick to the running game, like I said, even if it's not working early on, just sort of possess the football. Don't turn the ball over against Auburn. The three turnovers that they that South Carolina's defense forced, all three of those turnovers turned into twenty one points. So three turnovers, three touchdowns, and South Carolina, for whatever reason, has been really good in the red zone on both sides of the ball. They're scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. And then on the other side, they're forcing field goals instead of touchdowns. So I, I really think this is another probably pretty close football game, probably a fourth-quarter game. I, I still I would give LSU the edge, to be completely honest. But I think if South Carolina goes in there, they've got a quarterback that's not flashy, but he just does, he does not put the ball in danger at all. So I think if they do that, protect the football, can maybe take advantage of some of the issues LSU has had on defense, and then score touchdowns instead of field goals, then uh, you, you never know. I, I mean, I think the last time they beat LSU was 94, and before that, it was the 1930s, the last time South Carolina beat LSU. But the funny thing is, last week, it was the first time that South Carolina had beaten Auburn since the 1930s. So uh, the year 2020... I mean, would it even be that surprising anymore? It wouldn't be for me. (laughs) No, it wouldn't. Wes, we greatly appreciate you joining, man. Tell everybody where they can find you and all of your great work. Yeah, if um, if they want to read up on the Gamecocks or if maybe you got a South Carolina fan watching, uh, just go to GamecockCentral.com. Follow us on Twitter at GamecockCentral and follow me on Twitter at WestMitchellGC. And I guess I got to change out that uh, that Twitter profile picture here soon, huh? <laughs> well, I, I I don't know. I mean, that's a little bit on us. We should have done our research, Wes, and <laughs> doing that. But you know, it's a, it's on us. It's on us. But hey, it made for the great thing. We got a comment right here from Brandy Blake. Says, "Oh my God, Wes catfished y'all." Ha, 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 Blake, you got catfished. So, I mean, hey, in and of itself, it's going to take its own life. So, you know what we might do, Wes, is if we, when we have you on in the future, what we might do is just keep the picture there, and then that yeah, way yeah. we'll just we'll just keep go, keep it going. Yeah, that, that sounds perfect, man. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, I appreciate it, and you have a good night, sir. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. See ya. <laughs> That is Mr. Wes Mitchell from Gamecock Central. Guys, we are having, uh, and bear with us, we're having a little bit of camera issues here. We are trying to connect. Uh, So we're having a little bit of technical difficulties, but before we get to that, we'll get on to the next segment. But before we do that, I should say, get over to my good friend, Mr. John Patton. Guys, he's he's gonna either love me or kill me, but I'm on the phone with the man all the time. Literally trying to do everything I can to get this man business, and he takes care of all of his clients. He's just so great at what he at what he does. If you're thinking about buying a new home or doing a cash out refi, the timing has never been better. Call Mr. John Patton and Area Home Lending today two two five six six three twenty five hundred. That's two two five six six three twenty five hundred, and tell him Blake Rafino over at AYS sent you. Okay. Guys, bear with us as we are going through a little bit of technical difficulties with the camera, but we will bring your comments up on screen uh, as the show continues. Uh, Let's see. Mr. Alex King says, this guy, Wes, sounds fair and intelligent. I like him. Yeah, fantastic guest. And I told you guys yesterday that at former LSU quarterback, 
former LSU quarterback uh, Josh Booty was going to be coming on the show today. I actually did not lie. I did not lie. He will be on the show with us tomorrow. Um, along along with Mike Dettelier. Jo- uh, Joseph says, did he say SC has the edge? Apparently Vegas thinks differently. No, Joseph. He said that he believes that LSU has the edge. So, no, he said LSU does. Ryan says, Blaine Smith, go Hogs. Uh-oh. Natty's ball, says Stephen Miller. Ask Ryan Mayer how to stop the Aggies. I'll wait. <laughs> I hear you. The man, John Patton. Yeah, you guys got to go call him, man. You got to go call him. I don't know what's going on with this stupid camera, y'all. I have absolutely no idea. We might just have to rock the show like this until I can figure this camera thing out. Because I know one thing. It's absolutely driving me bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. B-A-N-A-N-A-S, y'all. Okay. Oh, well, it says it's going through another application. I don't know what application it's going through, though. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, uh, the absolute best in the Southeast. Yeah, I agree with that. Blaine Smith, ask Blaine how LSU will score from the one-yard line and stop a freshman quarterback from a zoo making his second start. Eesh. Ryan, I just think you come up in here trying to start trouble, dog. Like, just trying to start trouble. <laughs> you just, like, attempting to start the trouble. Let's see. Ty asks, why isn't Cardell getting more any looks? Was he overhyped? Seems that way. Well, he's been nicked up. He has been nicked up. Uh, and so, with that being said, with that being said, I think, uh, I mean, I just think that he's going to be out for a little while until he's able to to figure out what it is um, that, that, and how do I say this? Basically, he just needs to make sure that he's that he is not injury prone, Ty. He's just been very, very injury prone. Joseph said Ryan Mayer is big trolling, overrated the Gators. Okay. Let's see. Ryan steady trolling. Yeah, y'all be hating this dude be big trolling. Have you heard anything today about LSU defense personnel changes? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I think that they're going to be rolling in some more linebackers and some new uh, safeties, is what I hear. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to stay tuned for that. Um, it will be surprising to me, very surprising to me, who they roll out first. Though, um, let's see. Brandy Blake says Ryan Mayer is a stirrer of all pots. Okay. Okay. They started with me first, Blake. <laughs> this is an epic troll. We could just sit here all night. Joseph White going to get playing time, says Todd. Yeah, he's definitely going to get playing time. If you listen to what O said today, he was really high on, on him, saying that they're going to rotate him in and out. Well, they better. Okay, they better because, I mean, really the linebacking position for LSU has been their biggest bugaboo, y'all. Oh, my God, Blake just said bugaboo. Yeah, I said bugaboo. What you got to say about that? Get off my ace. Okay, get off my ace. I said bugaboo. What you going to do about it? Uh, Blaine Smith says, how high is the water or under the bridge of Urban Meyer? (laughs) Urban liar, I guess you should say. 
right, guys, we're going to cut it a little bit short tonight. We did have a segment. Uh, former LSU quarterback Josh Booty is going to be on the show tomorrow along with Mike Dettelier. We're having experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties. But we've been in, and Wes was a really good host. But don't, but be sure to join us tomorrow as former LSU uh, football quarterback Josh Booty joins him along with Mike Tatia. Guys, let's see. Let's get to this last comment. Uh, Dylan Landry says, think we should see more from Josh Williams. I fully believe it. Fully, fully believe it. But until again, guys, we'll see you all tomorrow. Y'all have a good night. Uh, football quarterback Josh Booty joins him along with Mike Tatia. Guys, let's. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.